Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. We actually have a missionary this morning from Madagascar. Um, Rainier, I always butcher his name, Rainier Vorster uh, is going to come and share, but he'll, he'll tell a story. I don't want to tell it, but he, he met his wife a really cool way, but grew up in South Africa, uh, has been in Madagascar doing ministry. Now he lives in Texas, and cool thing, he's been here in Nebraska three weeks. This is his third church service. He flew back last week because he just got his American citizenship on Thursday, so he's a full American citizen, so super cool there. And uh, he actually went to the Lincoln Bike Show with a bunch of our honor-bound guys yesterday, and he came back. So he hung out with bikers all day and came back. So that says something about his character right there. So uh, would you give a big Calvary welcome this morning to Rainier Voister as he comes and shares a word with us this morning? Thank you so much. It really is an honor to be here. Um, I just love just being here this morning, hearing everything this church does. I can already just know that um, I love you guys. I love everything you do. And um, just hearing how missional you are, not just abroad, not just... um, Sending money, but practically living it out. Um, as I just heard all these announcements, I can see this church is a church that want to go out. So I, this morning, I will also pretty much then be preaching to the crowd. But um, so as Pastor Rick said, I am Rainier Foster, or however you want to say it. Um, I'll respond to anything. I always joke with my wife because. It's actually Forster, but she can't say her own last name. So I can make fun of it now. She's not here. Um, so she's back in Texas this morning. Um, she's really originally from the Houston area. And we actually met each other in Madagascar. She came on a mission trip to Madagascar. Um, I saw her, did not fall in love with her because I thought she was 16 years old at that moment. So then later on that day, I heard she was 26, and then I thought, ah. So, so I always make it clear I waited until I found out she was 26 before I got a number. But she then came for five months to really see um, if missions is what she wants to do, and Within that five months, we fell in love, we got married that following year, and we've got now a three-and-a-half-year-old boy, Joshua, and a 14-month-old little girl called Malia. And they're doing great. They are busy, but they are awesome. Um, So we just got a short mission video that we want to show, and then I'll talk a little bit more of what we will do in Madagascar.
So that is just a little bit of, um, of our work and what, what we are doing. So up to now, we were pastoring an English church in the capital city of Madagascar. With that, we had a feeding program um, where the people would come. We had about 150 people that would come. They would get fed weekly. And it was a great opportunity also for outreach within the community. So many times it's the only f- food those people will eat that all day. And, but it was a great opportunity to reach out to these people. Um, people came to know God. And we loved that. And we loved pastoring. Um, it was an English church. But the great thing of that is so many people would initially come to church just to practice their English. Because there's no opportunities for people to learn English. Um, There's very few native English speakers. um, So a lot of the young people want to learn English. But there's not a lot of opportunities. So so many times people would have come to church just a year and to, to practice their English. And it was a great way to draw young people into church and then so many people's lives were transformed through the church as these young people came. And we loved pastoring, we loved doing um, the feeding program and everything we did. But the situation of Madagascar is of the 40 people groups, 10 of those people groups are still considered completely unreached. Having no access to the gospel, having no church even close by. And sometimes you will visit a church in the bush and people will literally walk for days just to hear the word of God. I mean, it puts some pressure on you if you're about to preach and you hear someone walk for three days. I mean, then you're like, I better not mess it up today because they put in the effort. But um, there's so many areas that do not have access of the gospel And we believe that the best way to reach those areas is to train local Malagasy's that they can go out and plant churches within those areas. Because there's so many things that is very hard for a foreigner to speak into. I mean, when it comes to ancestral worship and all these things that they are struggling with, it is hard as a foreigner to come to them and and speak against that. But if we can raise up Malagasy's, and send them out to plant churches in these areas, they can much easier speak to those cultural issues. They can much easier reach their own people. And it is just um, such a great example of how the church then reached the lost. So we are so excited about that. My, my wife's passion is children ministry. So she will also be working to, to teach children ministry leaders Um, all over the island doing seminars, that these pastors and children ministry leaders can truly go out and plant churches in these unreached areas. Because our vision truly is to see a vibrant church within walking distance of each person in Africa. But that can only happen if these pastors are trained up and sent out. So we are so excited um, to return to Madagascar We're excited for this new vision. We are newly appointed missionaries with AGWM before we were um, um, independently from 
the church that I originally come from um, in South Africa, Pentecostal church. But we are excited to, to um, be going out under the assemblies of God and um, working within the Bible school and seeing transformation come in the nation of Madagascar. And from our side, we also just want to say thank you for everything you already have invested in Madagascar. We see those things, those things do carry fruit. There is so much need, but thank you so much for everything you've done. So that's just a little bit about us and what God has called us for in Madagascar. But this morning, I want to talk a little bit also about the mission that God has for each one of us. And I kind of touch on that this morning because I said it's as if I'm preaching to the choir today because I could hear that this church is a church with a mission. And I, I love this morning, I took a picture of it, and I read your mission statement, and you guys probably know this, I'm sure, but it says, Calvary Assemblies of God exist to reach out to the unchurch of central Nebraska and train them to, to be mature, lifelong followers of Christ. And we do that by intentionally engaging our community, investing in families, and equipping believers for service. And I just love that. Because this is what I believe God also placed on my heart for us this morning. And this week I read a quote, and it's a famous quote, of um, David Livingston. And it just puts perspective also when we serve God and we step out in the mission that God has for us. And for us as a reminder, what an honor truly it is serving God in that. It says, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? And it is an honor for each one of us to be part of the mission of God. It's an honor for each one of us to run with what God placed in each one of our lives. And in Madagascar, once a year, we had a little Bible school with our church. And once a year, normally by the end of the year, we would take all the students out into a village and where they get an opportunity to practice everything what I've learned that year. And it is always so amazing they would go out and they would go normally from house to house, share the gospel, pray for people. And it is always so amazing to hear their testimonies as they come back. And it really is my favorite part of, of teaching is just to see how these students come back. And it reminds me so much of when Jesus sent out the 70. Because they came back and they saw, but God actually wants to work through me. God actually wants to make a difference in people's lives through me. And they can testify of healings. They can testify of all these things because they came to the realization that God wants to use them. And that is, God wants to use them to transform people's lives. And once they realize that, their focus shifts, shifted from themselves to what God wants to do through them. And that is what I want to encourage each one of us also this morning. 
that God has a purpose and a mission for each one of us. John 14 verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And you can keep your finger at this verse. We will come back at it a few times through this message. But just to give some background, this is right before Jesus um, went up to heaven. And he is encouraging his disciples. And he says, it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come down. And he says, but because of the Holy Spirit, you will do greater things. Because of the Holy Spirit, you will do even greater things. And then the disciples, at this time, they might not have understood that. They might not have understood why Jesus had to leave. They might have had all these questions, but the, they could see within a few days, they saw the results of the Holy Spirit working through them, and they took that step, and God truly done greater things through them. But today I want to talk about each one of our mission. Because it's the same Holy Spirit that worked in the disciples that's working in us. It's the same Holy Spirit that God used through Peter and Paul that, that is working through each one of us. And I want us to go to 2 Kings chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, you can page with me. 2 Kings chapter 6. And this is one of those interesting stories of the Bibles that the first time we normally read it, it's like, I need to read, the, read this multiple times because there's some interesting stuff in the Bible. And this is one of those stories. And we're going to read from verse 24. It says, Afterwards, uh, afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it, until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth part of a cap of dove dung for five shekels of silver. Now what happened, just to give some background, the Syrian army at this time was the strongest army um, that there was. And what they did is they would surround the city of Samaria and they basically just waited. So they surround the city and waited. Which means the people couldn't go down out of the city walls to work in their lands. So no food can, no, sorry, no one can go out and no food can come into the city. And they basically decided, well, instead of risking our soldiers to try to get through the city walls, we're just going to wait and starve the city to death. And it, from this you see that the situation was pretty bad. And if you read it, it went from bad to worse. It says a, a donkey head was sold for a lot of money and 
pigeon dung was sold for a lot of money. I mean, I can still get like a donkey set um, being sold, but but then he goes on and he says the situation got even worse, and people um, went over to cannibalism, and it was at this point that God sent the pro- prophet Elisha, and in verse. Um, Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So basically Elisha is saying, Well, by tomorrow this time, food will be plentiful. Food will almost have no value. There will be so much of it that your money almost will be worthless because this food will be plentiful. And we see the situation was almost hopeless and it was in that moment that God showed up. Isn't that so many times true in our own life? When we cannot rely on our own strength, when we cannot rely on our own, own way of making it out, it is in that situation that God showed up. And it's so many times, it's only when we can look back through those dark times. It's only when we look back at these difficult times, many times that we can see God's hand. It's so, so hard sometimes to see God's hand in the midst of the hardship. And this is what happened in this situation. They didn't realize what God was doing in this moment. But God, out of his hardship and difficulty, did something amazing. And I always say, God never wastes our time. Because it is out of this situation that God did an amazing miracle. Um, John 14 verse 12 that we, we read earlier. The disciples... They didn't understand why Jesus had to leave. They didn't understand why Jesus had to be crucified. They didn't understand why Jesus had to go to heaven to be with the Father. But just a few weeks later, they received the Holy Spirit and they could see God's hand even through the midst of that hardship. And I think so many times when we go through that hardship, it is hard to see God's hand. But God ultimately will use it for His glory. And this is what happened in this situation. It is in the hardship that God sent the prophet Eliza, and God used four lepers. And you can go with me to 2 Kings um, chapter 7, verse 3 and 4. It says, Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we will die also. So now, come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So these four lepers... They looked at a situation, and they realized this is hopeless. And they realized, well, we are lepers. We are the outcasts. 
can't go into the city first of all. And inside a city, there's anyway no food. So they say, well, if we sit here, we will die. If we go out, the Syrians will probably kill us. But at least we have a chance. So they, they went out and they, so they walked out. And in this moment, they were probably expecting, well, the moment we step out of these city walls, the Syrians will kill us. They, they will probably shoot us with bows and arrows. They wouldn't even probably want to come close to us because leprous, we have leprosy. But they, they went out and against all odds, they walked right up to the Syrian camp. They walked right up to the Syrian camp because in this moment, right before, God had a miracle. Because he made the sound of a mighty army come that the Syrians thought a mighty army was coming and they all fled for their life. And they abandoned all their food, they abandoned all their supplies, and they ran away, and they fled. So these lepers come out, and they see all these things, and I thought, it's a lucky day. And it's interesting, because the Bible says they, they ate until they could eat no more. They ate, and they ate everything, and they, then they started hiding things, and they found a cave, they started hiding things away, and they probably thought, well, we are set for the rest of our life. We are set for days. We don't have ever to worry about food again. Our children might not ever have to worry about food. But then one of them stopped, and they said, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news. There is more than enough for just us. There's more than enough to keep just for us for ourselves. And inside the city, people are still dying. Inside the city, people are still living in bondage, not knowing there is more than enough food outside. We and we have the news that will fall their hunger. We have the news that will save them. And we read that in verse 9. It says, Then one of them said to another, What we are doing... Do Sorry. I lost my place. <laughs> we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and they told the king's household, and the whole city came out, and the city got saved. And Elisha's prophecy got fulfilled. And you probably see where I'm going with this this morning. We so easily can be like these four lepers were at the start. We have the good news. We have the gospel. We have that that can save people. When the situation in the world is even a lot more desperate than this. Because people are not just dying physically. People are dying eternally. These four lepers, they gorged themselves. They ate until they could no more. 
And so many times, that is how we live. We like to come to church, and we receive the blessing, and we see the power of God. But the reality is, if we just receive, we are not doing what God has called us for. If we just come to church to receive God's blessing and, and, and experience the power of God, we are missing the point. Acts 1 verse 8, it says, But we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be His witness in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think so many times in the Pentecostal church, and I love the power of God. I love the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I love speaking in tongues. I love when the Holy Spirit moves. But that is empowerment, and that empowerment cannot just stay in the church. That empowerment needs to go out of these walls. We receive the power to be a witness. We receive the power to go out and make a difference in this world. God has greater things for us. And we receive this empowerment for a purpose. Because the church is a place to be equipped for the ministry to go out. And a Sunday is a time to be equipped for the ministry that God plays for each one of us when we go out of these walls. Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 11 and 12. And he talks about a fivefold ministry. Verse 11 and 12 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. We are. Each one of us are being equipped for the ministry to go out. Each one of us are equipped for the ministry. And I think so many times we, so many times we can fall in the trap of living for our comfort. We can so many times fall in the trap of being focused on our own comfort. And I know I'm preaching to myself also. Because God placed each one of us strategically for a purpose. Just as these lepers found themselves in the camp for a purpose much bigger than themselves and their comfort. God has a purpose for each one of us that is much bigger than us and our comfort. The purpose God has placed in each one of us ultimately is bigger than just us. My question for us is what legacy will our actions leave? What legacy will our actions ultimately leave behind? Because these four lepers, they could have made many excuses. They could have said, well, we are blessed for ourselves. Look at everything we've got. Look at how God provided all of this supernaturally for us. And they could have kept this all to themselves and for their own comfort. 
Or they could have said, well, we are rejected. We are the rejected ones. Why would we share the good news with those that rejected us? Why will I share the good news with those that push me away? My question is, are we truly loving people with the love of God? Is our heart breaking for them like God's heart breaks for them? Or they could have said, well, we are the rejected ones. They will never listen to us. They will never hear the good news from us. They will just push, push us aside. But God has a way of using those that feel they are not, not worthy. God used the fishermen to make a greatest impact in this world. My question is, what excuse, excuse, me, what excuse are you using? Because their purpose meant giving up some of their comfort, but the reward was worth it. Our purpose will mean giving up some of our comfort, but the reward will be worth it. Bringing change there where he guides us. John 14, verse, verse 12 that we read earlier, means that we will need to step out to see the greater works. It means we will need to step out of our comfort to see the greater works that God wants to do through our lives. We cannot remain in our comfort. The disciples easily would have wanted to stay in their own comfort. But God had more for them. It meant they had to be stretched to see these greater things. My question is, what do we choose? Do we choose our comfort or do we choose the greater things? Because God wants to do greater things through each one of us. Because we have the same Holy Spirit, but it means each one of us stepping out, out of that comfort. And that is what I want to encourage us with, that we will move out of our comfort and that we will love those that God brings over our path, one at a time, to proclaim that this is a day of good news. This is a day of good news. And the second last passage I want to read this morning is Acts 17, verse 24. And I believe if we truly get this, it will change the way how we will view our daily life. 17, verse 24 to 26. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation and mankind to live on, on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling. God made everything. And the reality is, God does not need us. God can save the world any way He wants, but He 
chooses to use each one of us to make a difference in this world. He chooses to use each one of us to go out and bring transformation right there where he placed us. But further than that, it says, goes on in verse 26, and it says, but he determines the place or in time of our existence. It is not by accident that you are born in this time in history. It is not by accident that God placed you in the workplace where you are. It is not by accident if you're a student to find yourself in the classes that you are. God has a purpose with us there. God determines the place and the, the place where we will live. And then verse 27. It says that they should see God in, in the hope that they might feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. That is our purpose. That we will proclaim the good news to those around us. That they will seek Him and the reality is God will find them. God will find them. Because the thing is, our purpose, God calls each one of us to make a difference in the world. And our purpose is to be His witness. That is our job. But it is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit that will save them. Our job is to be His witness. Our job is to go out and step out of my comfort and share the good news and show the love of God to the lost. But ultimately, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that will save them. My question for us is, what are we doing with those that God gives us influence over? What are we doing with where He placed us? Are we faithful with that? And I want to end off with Luke 14 verse 23. And Jesus was telling him, The parable of a banquet. And verse 23 says, Oh, sorry, I'm in Acts. <laughs> I want to say that doesn't make sense. 14 verse 23, it says, And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and edges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. We are called to compel all to come in, one at a time. It means showing love to the lost, one at a time. Showing love to the lost, one at a time. There is still plenty of room in our Father's house. God's house needs to be filled. My question is, what are we doing about that? And that is my encouragement and I believe what I believe God is challenging each one of us this morning. Because He placed us strategically for a purpose. We are each have a mission right there where He placed you. You are created for that purpose. Let's step out and let's run with what God has for us. Let's step out and do what God has called us for. And let's run with the mission that God has for us. Yes, it will be globally, but it will also be locally 
right there where he placed him. And let's take a moment and let's just pray this morning. Father, we thank you for, for your word. Father, and we thank you, Father, that you have placed such a tremendous importance on each one of us. Father, that you strategically placed us for a purpose right there where we are. Father, that you strategically called us by name. Father, but that you placed us specifically to make a difference right there where we find ourselves. And Holy Spirit, in this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will talk talk to each one of us. Holy Spirit, that you will bring names to our minds. Father, of people that we can reach out to even this week. For the people that we can love one at a time even this week. Holy Spirit, give us your eyes for the lost. Father, may our hearts break like your heart breaks. May we see the lost through your eyes. And Holy Spirit, speak to us in this moment. And show it even this week. And now we can reach out and make a difference right there where you place this. And Father, thank you that we know, Holy Spirit, it's ultimately you, you that draw people to repentance. It's you that bring the transformation in their lives. Father, but you choose to use each one of us to be your witness. May we go out and be faithful with what you entrusted to us. That may we go out and be faithful with what you have called each one of us for. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. What an incredible challenge this morning. We're not here by accident. God has put us where he wants us to be, where he needs us to be. And I know sometimes you may say, I could really do without that coworker. <laughs> it made my life really harder. I could do without that neighbor. But God has put us in those situations to be with them. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to close in prayer. They're going to do one more song. You are welcome to leave as soon as I pray. You can hang out and worship with us if you want as they do this last song. Uh, but would you stand with me this morning if you're able? Lord, we thank you this morning for the call that you put on our lives to know you and to make you known to those around us. And Lord, I pray this morning as we prepare to leave this place, you would speak to our hearts today. Like uh, Rainier said, Lord, would you drop names in our hearts of people that we can pray for, people that we can talk to, that we can share the love of Jesus with them. Lord, it's not about winning them to our side. It's about sharing the love that you've given us so they can find the hope that you've given us. 
Lord, I pray you bless our church family as we go today. Lord, bless our homes and our health, our relationships, finances. But more than any of that, Lord, we pray you help us to be your hands and feet extended to this community around us. In Jesus' name.